Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. So again, Happy New Year. You say it. Okay. How many times you said that uh, over these these last few days? Uh, hopefully a lot, and you've had an opportunity to do that. You know, 2020, uh, God has given us a new year. It, it sounds amazing. Uh, and the last uh, Sunday, which was the last Sunday of 2019, uh, we spent some time and to, to, to look at God's Word, and we were encouraged to leave some things behind in, in 2019, not bring it into this new year. So if you weren't here and you didn't get a chance to uh, oh, leave some stuff behind, you still have that opportunity to pitch some things back into 2019. There are some things that may have been going on in your life that you just didn't want to bring with you or God doesn't want you to bring with you into 2020. The truth of the matter is, is that God is always at work no matter if you see it or not, if you feel it or not, God is always at work and He is advancing His kingdom and His glory and He wants you and me to be involved in that. He loves you. He loves me and He wants us to experience the abundance of His life. So uh, if you, uh, uh, during this uh, course of time, if you think of something you need to pitch back in 2019, give it to God and say, throw this back there. I don't need to bring it with me into this year. Um, we even literally had a bucket up here, a tub up here that uh, we wrote those things on and we threw them in there and uh, we took them outside and we burned them. Leave them there in 2019 as we come into this new year. So when it comes to New Year's, uh, I, I, I have approached a new year differently and I know that different people approach New Year's differently. You know, uh, there, there are some folks who really see it as an opportunity for a fresh start, a uh, new beginning. Uh, it's an opportunity to make some changes, uh, make some adjustments in their life to, to try to be in a better place. There are other people who uh, really agree more with the title of an old YouTube song. Any YouTube fans out there? Uh, Nothing changes on New Year's Day. Anybody remember that? Nothing changes on New Year's Day. You didn't listen to that recently? Um, oh, yeah, there you go. All right. So, uh, you know, as you, as you think about that, uh, the new year, it, it doesn't matter really how you approach the new year. I think that God has some powerful reminders for us as we move forward through these uh, specific passages. Now, this is especially true. This is especially true if you're sitting there and you're just kind of going through the motions or if you feel a little bit lethargic or apathetic or if you continue to, to feel frustrated and, and that uh, there's just disappointments in your life or hurts and hang-ups that seems to be just weighing you down and, and you're not able to, to really uh, get that want to going. You know, you, you don't have that sense of expectancy or excitement or passion in your life. It's just especially true if that's where you found yourself. Uh, if you want things to be different in 2020, there's a couple of things that I think that God wants to encourage us with in these passages. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the, the setting of this in the background in a few moments, but we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Uh, so I'd ask that you follow along with me as we read this. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, uh, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time... Uh, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house, while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you, you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're never, uh, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but you see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because my house, which remains in a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. Let's go again to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word, and now we just pray, O Holy Spirit, that you just um, uh, allow your word to do a work in us to reveal your glory and your greatness and our need for you, for absolute trust and dependence on you in every aspect of our life. For we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me just give us a little bit of background to this uh, Old Testament passage. Uh, it was in uh, 586 B.C. that the armies of Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem, which marked the end of the kingdom of Judah. Uh, most of Jerusalem's inhabitants, uh, the people that lived there, were deported to Babylon for a period of about 70 years. Uh, and then when the uh, Babylonian Empire fell to the Persian Empire, Cyrus the Great decreed that uh, the Jews could return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. A small minority, about 50,000 Jews, returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest. Two of those 50,000, 50 some odd thousand, were Haggai and Zechariah. Now, it's during this time as they are back in Jerusalem that there's this external oppression, there's stuff that's going on, life goes on, uh, and there's this internal depression that really uh, halted what they really went there to do, and that's to rebuild the temple. And it halted it for some 18 years uh, because of their lack of direction and their spiritual apathy and things that were going on within them. But it was in the second year of Darius' reign that God raised up Haggai, the prophet, to encourage. God gave him a word to encourage and to bring it to them. God is faithful. So Haggai, it's amazing. One of the shorter of the minor prophets, he preached four sermons in four months, and then he really disappeared from the scene. There it is. But then, two months after Haggai delivered his first sermon, Zechariah began his ministry. 
And he encouraged the people to spiritual renewal and he, uh, to motivate them to get after what God had led them back there to do to, so that they would experience and understand God's plans for Israel's future. So there's a lot of parallels when it comes to, to you and I. And, and what we are experiencing today as far as what God wants to reveal to us in order that we know His plans and His purpose for our future. So there's two things, just simply two things. You have an outline there and we have here on the screen. God's encouragement for the new year, number one, is this. Through this passage, evaluate my priorities. Now, a lot of us take some time to do that, but I want to encourage you. It's not too late. If you've not done this, I want to exhort you to do this, to evaluate your priorities. Uh, I like the way the message puts verse 5 of what we just read in Haggai 1. It says, take a good, hard look at your life. Think it over. That's what he's saying there. In in our passage in verse uh, 5 and verse 8, it says, Give careful thought to your ways. The message, take a good, hard look at your life. Now you're going, life is busy, stuff's going on. I don't care what it is. Do whatever it takes in order to do this. Because here's the encouragement that we have you know, through this particular passage in Haggai chapter 1. Now, the deal is, is that the first message of Haggai to them uh, that he reveals to them is that the reason that they are frustrated uh, is that they've tried to make their own lives comfortable while they neglected the temple. Uh, the reason for their discouragement and the reason for their frustration is that they got preoccupied with the here and now rather than what God was calling them to do. They lost sight of that. So we see through history that the Israelites lived in this ongoing frustration, this discontentment. They were not satisfied. And, and really, we can't pass over this because this is a good lesson for us too. As, as we see what he says there, in those verses, uh, beginning with um, with verse 5, or verse 6, he said, You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Here's the encouragement. Here's a reminder for me and you is that God has called you and me into a relationship with himself. And if you are not in that relationship, if you don't have peace with God, then the way to that is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why God sent Jesus in order that we could know him and know the purpose for which we are created. It's by acknowledging that Jesus came to do that for you which you could not do for yourself so that you could experience life and life abundantly. It is only through Him. But what He is reminding us of is that as we are followers of His, that if we devote ourselves and we get kind of caught up in just the here and now to sowing, eating, drinking, clothing, but neglect what God has called us to, the ministry in the body of Christ then we're going to live with this perpetual sense of uh, frustration or uneasiness. There's not going to be that sense of passion or abundance within our life. So you're sitting there and you're going, well, you know, I mean, I'm just happy to kind of get through, you know, the year. I'm, you know, nothing too bad happened last year and I hope not too much ha- bad happens this year. But we're doing, no, 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 no. Okay's not okay. Haven't you learned that through AT&T? 
<laughs> okay is just not okay. You know, it's just, it's not. And with God, uh, it's especially not. He, J- Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And you know, and I'm sure that there was probably some messages for them uh, through that time that that just kind of fell on deaf ears. But it's here that we see God encouraging us uh, that we are called to not just spend our time on um, living life here on earth, but to be mindful of what it is that God's called us to do. Now, he says in that particular passage is that, you know, we need to give ourselves to to prioritize in the glory of God, that God is lifted up, that, you know, that Jesus is lifted up. Uh, that's what he called Israel into existence for so that people could know God and see God and understand God. And that's why he's called us into a relationship with himself so that others could see God the Father. And so it's in that particular passage in verse 8. Uh, look at me uh, with me at that again. He says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Other translations, so that I may be glorified. He's saying, I want you to do this so that I can be glorified. Both then and now, the real problem uh, uh, is not the neglect of, uh, of, a, of a building, it's not, it's not, you know, not being on, on the clean team, but it is an indifference to the glory of God. It's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, that's just not on my priority list. And that's what he's pointing out here. The temple, you know, in the Old Testament existed for the glory of God, just as the church today exists for the glory of God. The glory of God was not the temple, but it was there, uh, for His glory. Exodus chapter 29, 43 puts it like this. He says, I will meet with the people of Israel there in the place made holy by my glorious presence. It's His presence. It's His presence. Not not just His words, not just His instructions, but He says, I want you to prepare this for my glorious presence. That's how it's made holy. It's because of my presence. That's how we uh, experience the glory of God is whenever we prepare for Him. And that's how others are able to see and experience His glory as, as well. So here's the encouragement. If we are indifferent to our own personal growth or to the spiritual prosperity of the body of Christ and His church and its mission, it's always a sign of, of our failure to love the glory of God. And that's what He's encouraging us to here. And he's saying here, if, if, if that's not on, on your priority list, then what's going to happen is there's going to be this sour fruit uh, of chronic frustration or apathy. Just love for the glory of God. Verse 9 sums up the situation in, in Jerusalem. It says, you've looked for much and lo, it came to little when you brought it home, but I blew it away. Why? Because you weren't focused on what I'm doing and what I've called you to do. So here, here's the question for me and you as we evaluate our priorities. What am I giving my time and resources to? What am I giving my life and my resources to? What are the priorities there? And you go, well, yeah, I've got to live, I've got to make a live, I've got a house. Uh, God's saying, first and foremost, it's for my glory. 
for my glory. And you go, I don't know, I don't know. In verses 12 and 15 that we didn't read in Haggai, it shows that Zerubbabel and, and, and the people begin to work on the temple. And it says, after 18 years of neglect and frustration, they began to learn their lesson. And that is what the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, the next verse on the outline here. But first and foremost, seek, aim, and strive after His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you also. So the first thing, God's encouragement for me and you, even though we're five days into the new year, is stop and evaluate my priorities. Stop and evaluate. What are my priorities? What has got the, uh, my attention? What's captured my time, my resources? And where's the love for God's glory in that? How, how, how much am I thinking about, how much am I praying about God's glory? in everything that I do? How, how is that dictating wh how I invest my life and time? For, for, so we saw that for the Israelites, that they lost sight of that, and so they were preoccupied in doing all the stuff that you do in this world. And it's not to say that God was not interested in them having a house or them eating or them being clothed or any of that stuff, but it's saying you, 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 you prioritize that over thinking about me and my glory and my purpose for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for me and you, and He wants us, He invites us to sit down and say, God, help me to honestly evaluate my priorities. What are my priorities? You know, what's captured my heart? What's captured my attention as, as I go into this new year? Evaluate my priorities. Now, number two. Number two, embrace the small things. <laughs> I love this verse in the uh, New Living Translation. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And I think there's a, a, an adjustment that God's wanting to, to help us make as, as we look at this particular passage. Uh, now turn over from uh, Haggai over just a few pages and you're going to get to Zechariah. Now in Zechariah, the, this is uh, the prophet of God that God used, raised up to continue to speak into this situation. He was a contemporary to Haggai. Uh, and it was um, to uh, Zechariah that he gave these eight visions to. Uh, to, uh, and, you know, some of, some of us learn differently, you know, as we learn through pictures or images or things of this nature, but he gave them these visions to help them understand just that this is coming from the Lord. And in chapter four is where I really want us to pick up here. And we're going to read verses one through ten here. Now, again, remember that this is the same, this is the same time, uh, within history, uh, Judaism, you know, this is the same period of time, same situation that's going on. Let's read beginning with verse 1. So it says, Then an angel who talked with me returned and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, 
This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What are you, O mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when, when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range throughout the earth. You're going, wow, what in the world is all that? Okay, so as we go back and again, put it in context. Here's what's going on. The people had been in exile. They're back. And now, you know, God had brought them back to Jerusalem, their hometown, and had given them uh, uh, the instruction, rebuild my temple. And so uh, they uh, start by just being distracted. They, they get distracted, preoccupied with themselves and their needs uh, rather than staying focused on what God's uh, wanting them to do and letting God give them the priorities and how to take care of what His desires are and their needs, which He always does. But they're distracted. The second, as a result of that, they're discouraged. We've already talked about that in the, in the first part in Haggai. Uh, they're discouraged not only uh, because of uh, the struggles that they've gone through, but they're, they're discouraged because there's opposition uh, to the building of the temple. And, and they're now really discouraged by the size of the temple. So what had gone on, God had said, I'm going to rebuild this and it's going to be through Zerubbabel. Uh, the governor, and and he's going to be the one that's doing it. And so they lay out they lay out the footing for the temple, and the it is just such a tiny replica of what originally had been there. And so the, the people are looking at the temple. They're, they're they're discouraged by that. They're going, this is not this is nowhere close to the glorious temple that was before. So I mean, you know, wh what's the use? But also. As a result of their being distracted by taking care of what they need to do and what the world's telling them to do, and also by their discouragement, they result it resulted in what? Disobedience. The three D's that, that, that God is saying, hey, don't go there. Don't in this year, listen, don't be distracted, don't be discouraged, and and that always leads to being disobedient. And therefore, the frustration, therefore, uh, the lack of vision and focus. So here we go back and, and, and we see that in verse 6, let's pick up there. He's given this vision to Zechariah and, and uh, it's going, do you know what this, this is? And he goes, absolutely not. I have no idea what's going on. And then look how he responds to that in verse 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So he's reminding them here at this particular point that it's not because of what we have or what we can do or even our influence, but it's by God's spirit. We look back in Haggai and we see that it was the spirit of God that stirred them up to be able to do it. It is God's spirit in his presence. You go, I don't have any passion. Ask God to stir up your spirit. You know, I, you know, I, I don't even know what you're talking about you know, as far as really being passionate about God's glory and seeing people love God and know God. Well, ask God to stir up your spirit. He said, not by might, 
Not by anything that you can do, not by your brains, not by any, not, not by power, how, your performance, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So he's given insight even to Zerubbabel at that time, and, but also it's to me and you. And then in verse 7, he says, What are you, O holy mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. What, what is this mountain he's talking about? It is the opposition. It's the opposition that, uh, of the outsiders just going, You're a bunch of pansies. You know, look at what you're doing. You're not going to be able to do this. And, and they, uh, all of these strong powers that were around them, there's the opposition of that, but then also there's the opposition within. You had the opposition of the people who had been there before and seen the temple, and now they're looking at this and they're going, this is pathetic. Why even, why even, why even go there? Why even do this? And then in verse 8 and 9, Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of the temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to do it. So what he's saying there is this. Look to see what God is saying. What has God said to you? Has God given you a word for 2020? What has God said? And that's what you bank on. Not what you see, not what you feel. What has God said? Don't, and don't go by your feelings. Don't go by your past experience. Look to see what God has said. And the only way that we can do that is by spending time with Him. Maybe one of the priorities uh, uh, that, that we have is to spend time with God in 2020. Maybe it's just uh, reading through His Word and allowing Him to speak through His Word. Look to what God says. Here's the encouragement that He brings us in those couple of verses. And then verse 10, Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Um, again, the early one is don't despise the small things. That's what He said. Don't despise them. The Lord rejoices in these small beginnings. And He gives us reasons for that. Don't minimize the small steps of obedience. Some of you are here and you're going, okay, I'm, on a, I'm doing, going to church today. I'm going to get that done, check. And then I'm going, you know, and you're, you're going to have the temptation just to kind of go back into a rut of life. And God's saying, don't do that. The reason for that is because you're, you're not expecting of anything amazing or transformational. But see, that's what Jesus is all about, transformation. Not just to kind of come and help us along until we can get to heaven, but it, to transform my life and your life so that we can be conduits of the glory of God. Not by my, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's through our absolute reliance on Him. I love this next um, saying. I don't even know who said it, but it, it's good. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Would you agree with that? God wants to remind you of that this morning. It's often these small things. And a lot of times those small things happen when no one else is looking. And then other times these small things happen as a result of what God has stirred up in your spirit. That result in big things that everybody wants. Um, by the way, uh, for the sports fans, officially, especially for Auburn people, it is now full-on basketball season. Forget football season. It is basketball season. Yes, sir. 
Undefeated. Okay, anyway, so here, anyway, whatever. So, you know, we're a basketball school, you know. I ain't know. At all. <laughs> all right, let's go to a real basketball school. Uh, John Wooden, now we're anybody out, you sports guys, remember that name back at UCLA, the, the famous coach uh, that uh, so was, you know, so uh, influential within, you know, college basketball. He had 10 uh, NCAA championships, seven of them were in a row. I mean, it's just a legacy that's, that's, a, beyond anything. Uh, have you ever been watching a basketball game and see the guy that scored the points point to somebody else? After he scored it, just point to somebody else. Hey, are you awake? Yeah, because yeah, I'm not, yeah. Just this is no and this is yes. Okay. You know, if you've, if you've ever seen that, 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 that was instituted by John Wooden. He said, man, you give that guy that gave you the ball credit. And that's where it started. Just point, just point to the guy that Gave you, that made the assist to you. Uh, this is what John Wooden said. It's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. Uh, I see this particular passage and what God was doing there in the history of the Israelites. So relevant for me and you. You know, little things make big things happen. And God wants to remind you of that and me of that today. So here's the deal. If, you, if you're just kind of, again, be honest about this. You just, you, between you and God, if you're discouraged or apathetic or like, okay, can, would you hurry up and get done so I can go eat? You know, if you're kind of in that mindset of don't really care about what God's got going on in this world, I want to encourage you. Let God encourage you through His Word. Now flip back to Haggai. We're going to look at chapter 3 real quick. Chapter 3 of Haggai. Excuse me, chapter 2 of Haggai. Verse 3. You, you, some of you are going, what kind of Bibles did y'all just give out? <laughs> and others of you are going, well, I've got my own Bible, but these Bibles here must be different. Okay, uh, Haggai chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. He, he kind of gives us insight. To what's going on. He said, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you people, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains with you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while. I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And this is the place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Wow. 
It's pretty good stuff because, see, it's in verse 3. It shows why the people had become kind of weak and apathetic and discouraged in their labors. And, he's, and you know, he's saying, you know, you who saw it before, now you're taking and you're comparing it. Comparison always kills. You're taking it and comparing it. You're not letting God just speak into uh, your life and you just doing it and then allowing Him to do His great work through that. You're, st- you're, you're comparing. He says, it just looks like nothing to you in, in your sight. And so the workers were discouraged because of the memory uh, that they have of how glorious the temple used to be. And so uh, now, instead of really being inspired to, to get after the work of building this temple, they're going, you know, uh, this is just pitiful. You know, I mean, and, and they felt hopeless. And He's saying, how do you see that? You see it as nothing. And so you can only imagine what's going on. They're going, what's the use? I mean, we can't match the glory of Solomon's temple. We're wasting our time. And, you know, they really kind of went here. It's better to have uh, the beauty of a great memory than just this small imitation. So they didn't work. And they were distracted. And they were discouraged. And they were disobedient. Let me ask you, does that sound like anything in your experience? It's really easy to go there. To kind of look at things that that have happened in the past and now look at what you believe God would have you to do as an act of service. And you're going, "Ah, nah, I'll just sit down and watch me some TV. I'll just sit down and watch me some basketball. I'll just, I'll just do my thing. And that's what was going on with them. But in, in verse 9, he said, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, what he's saying here is, I want you to take courage. I want you to work. I want you to not be discouraged. I do not want you to be fearful because you build more than you see. All they were able to see is a skimpy footprint of a temple. But, but what God says is the glory of this one is going to be greater than the glory of the previous one. Why? Is it the size of the temple? No. It's the size of God. He said, I will fill in my glory. See, the temple then uh, would go on in this lineage of how God carries it out to the day that Jesus came and He was in that temple. And He said, hey, one of these days you're going to destroy this temple, but in three days I will take it back up. God's given us an insight into this. Listen, don't be discouraged. Don't eliminate the small things that God is calling you to do. Embrace them. Embrace them. Here's the point. God had a purpose for that temple. For the Jewish people and Haggai and Zechariah's day, they couldn't see it at all. What they saw was small. So God came to them with a word of promise. He says, you build more than you see. And the principle that I think that comes here is this. God takes small and perfect things and He builds them into a 
a habitation for His glory. And He wants to encourage you with that. He wants to encourage me with that. He wants us to, to say, take courage. Let me encourage you because it's not by your might nor by your power. Don't look, don't compare, but allow me to just to instruct you what to do. And, it, and it, it may be just a small thing of sending a text or saying a prayer or making a visit or sharing a word. It may be the small thing of, of just being faithful in your service. You're going, what difference does it make? It's, this is not what I envisioned. You build more than you see whenever it's in God's hands. He is at work. He's at work in your life. He's at work in this body. And He's saying you build more than you see. Take heart. Be of good courage. God rejoices to see small things. The work began. So here's the question for us. As we prepare to leave today, what small things is God calling me to? It's that small thing that you've been reluctant to do or you just going, you, you've been going, ah, it's not going to make any... It's that small thing that's going to make big things happen for the glory of God. It's that small thing. It's that small step of obedience. And it may be just saying, Lord, I'm going to just take you at Your Word where you say, uh, I need to confess before You. Or I need to go to a brother or to a sister, and I need to ask for forgiveness. What small thing is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart right now? You're building more than you see. Small things, big difference. That's the way it's always been with God. That's what we've just celebrated. That's what we just celebrated through Advent and Christmas, wasn't it? Mary looking at that small thing, that small baby, and, and, and God saying, hey, take heart. Be of courage. Be faithful. You're building more than you see. Allow God to speak that into your heart as you enter to this new year. And let's see the big difference that His glorious presence brings. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank You uh, that... Um, You've not called us to erect temples and do all this stuff through our power and our might. You just simply called us to a relationship with Yourself. But Lord, You also know that <laughs> you, as You've demonstrated that, Lord, there is stuff that separates us from experiencing Your glory. Sin. Lord, for any of us today that are just uh, still struggling with sin, Lord, remind us that, Lord, it's at the foot of the cross that, that we can come just lay that down because You bore our sin. And we don't have to carry it. We don't have to deal with guilt or shame. We can just come and confess that and agree with You that that separates us from You. For others of us, Lord, the, today we're, we're unmoved and somewhat apathetic and, and we're just asking You to just stir our spirits today for Your glory, Your glorious presence. Lord, help us all to have a passionate love for Your glory, 
Jesus, that you're lifted up. And that by your name, people come and humbly bow. Lord, remind us as we go away from here today that we are building more than we see. Through your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.